It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, he's one of our favorites, Greg Rakestraw. Getting ready for another busy weekend of football. You will hear him uh, in a lot of different avenues here over the next 48 hours. But Sunday, it'll be the postgame show as the Colts hit the road for the first time in this 2023 season. Uh, Rake, let's go back to Sunday's opener. What did you like from the rookie quarterback, and what do you want to see differently here in Week 2? You know, obviously the ability to uh, you know move with his feet, the ability to extend plays. Uh, I think largely the decision-making obviously kind of got made into that late interception that played a factor. But, Kevin, I would say the exact same things that you probably heard me say late July and August are the same things that your expert eyes have observed in, in training camp and practice and preseason in the last week. To me, it's simply looking at, does he ever look overwhelmed by the moment? Does he ever look lost? Does he ever look confused? And the answer to that question so far every time has been no. And typically when he has made a mistake, he has come back and, and you know made up for it or bounced back immediately, which is kind of the short-term memory loss to some degree you kind of need to have in terms of playing that position. The old Ted Lasso be a goldfish line comes to mind. So um, he looks the part. Again, I want to see him throw a more accurate ball. We'll see how, how that progress comes along. But, uh, again, for the most part, uh, I was pretty impressed last Sunday. I feel like this time last year we were saying there's no way the Colts are going to come out flat against the Texans in Houston. Please tell me we're not going to have that conversation <laughs> on Monday with a new coaching staff and a new quarterback. They're not going to come well, out flat I, against I, Texans. Please. Please tell Mark, me I, Mark, I would I would phrase it as you know, for as bad as looked against Houston last year. Think about the following week. That was the blanking in Jacksonville. Uh-huh. Yep. That was the week where we go, oh no, this is not what we thought this group was going to be. So yes, uh, you would you would hope that motivation is not a problem. And let and let's be blunt about this, okay? Colts didn't look great last week. Colts looked good in some phases, but but couldn't play the complete sixty minute game they still appear to be better than the Houston Texans. And so, you know, really it was Colts looked okay. Texans did not. I'm not sure there's many teams on the schedule you circle and say the Colts are better than that team, right? This is one of those teams. So depending on your perspective as to what you want to see happen this year, um, then hopefully that means that they Colts win coming up on Sunday afternoon. I don't know if you caught much of the Thursday night game last night between the Vikings and Eagles, Rake, but a couple things uh, popped up in that game that I know that chap a lot of fans' behinds. Uh, That was the Jalen Hurts push play that is seemingly unstoppable in short yardage situations, and then the fumble in the end zone that turns into a turnover and touchback. Uh, How do you feel about both of those things? I'm not sure there's a better way to overcome the turnover touchback rule unless you want to say you're going to have the ball at the spot at which it was fumbled in the field of play. So that so that that would be that would be the only thing I can think of quickly to to alter that. In terms of the push play, again, that's one of those things that it is what it is. Um, it, it reminds me of how the Colts didn't get a fourth in inches. On Sunday, yeah, and you've got a, a, a tank for Literally. a quarterback. Um, that's pretty indicting on the center of the offensive line on that play. Now, it also screams to Jacksonville's front four is pretty good, and Jacksonville just defensively is, is is pretty good. Period. But that part you've got to get rectified. But Mark, I w- I will tell you this: 
I watched zero seconds of last night's game because I do not subscribe to Amazon Prime. Oh. So with that, I did not see a single I, – I know the result of what happened, but I did not watch last night's game. Interesting. Greg Rakestraw there. And nice to know the viewing options in the Rakestraw household here. ISC Sports Network. Uh, we will get to the high school scene coming up here in just a sec. We- I'll get you a password, Rake. I can get you a password. Week, Thank we're, you. I appreciate we're, that. We're going to share logins here, Rick. Uh, week five of the high school uh, football season. Uh, we'll talk with Rake about that here in just a second. Um, Indiana and Purdue this weekend, Rake, both underdogs in non-conference games. Indiana's a 10-point dog here at Lucas Oil Stadium against Louisville. Purdue it's hovering right around a field goal underdog at home versus Syracuse. I think in a way, I kind of label these as if bowl game thoughts are going to be realistic – both programs would be very well served to pull off the, I say in quotes, upsets here. Yeah, and, and again, I, I think the line for Indiana Louisville is about right. Uh, I'd probably, you know, bring it back down maybe to like six or seven. Because uh, again, obviously Indiana has had their flaws and issues the last couple of seasons. Not like Louisville's been in great shakes. That they've, they've been a, a, a little bit better in a league that's a little bit worse. It's a neutral site game. You've got a new head coach, albeit one that knows the Indiana program exceedingly well. Uh, and so I expect that to be a close and competitive game. Louisville being favored, I'd agree with that. Ten points might be a bit much there. Um, secondarily, in terms of, of Purdue and, and Syracuse, listen, the folks in Vegas know a lot. There's a reason why they're the folks in Vegas. I'd probably make it a pick em game. In other words, saying on a neutral field, is Syracuse slightly better? Yeah. But I look at last year, and I realize that teams are awfully different these days from year to year in college football, and Purdue is a very good uh, you know, illustration of that example. Um, but that was a game that Purdue handed to Syracuse multiple times, and the Orange finally took it. So um, I, I think that's a, a, a dead-even game. And so now I, I think in terms of Purdue, what, what it really boils down to is the product that you want to showcase to the home fans. Because I know Vatek isn't what they used to be. That's still a really good, you know, a road win at a Power Five school. That's a big deal for Purdue. Um, and given the, given the game conditions, how that played out, I thought that was a really big win. Now it's it's yes, you're playing Syracuse, but you're trying to erase what you showed your fans at home to Fresno State a couple of weeks earlier in terms of not much defensively and in, in terms of of mistakes that were made. You just want to instill the pride of defending your home turf if you're Ryan Walters at Purdue. So. I, I would. What you said is right about you know bowl aspirations, but frankly, I think the stakes are a bit higher for Purdue. They're the one that that I think feels this pressure a little bit more coming uh, tomorrow afternoon. Rick, we're going to get the um, Taven Jackson era, I guess, officially underway. I know we started last week, but you know Tom Allen committing to him earlier this week. You know, Indiana's a program, boy. Outside of Ben Chapel, I can't think of many like in-state quarterbacks that have had you know even like a decent amount of success there. As of late, obviously, Taven Jackson, a pretty highly ranked recruit, starting at Tennessee, transferring to Indiana. Uh, what are your expectations for him as he takes over and, again, tries to do something that program really hasn't had in quite some time as an in-state QB leading them to a decent amount of success? I think he can be solid. Uh, clearly, he's got a lot of the tools. I think it comes down to some of the other questions around him in terms of skill-level players in terms of time to make plays. Uh, it does appear to be a team that the defense maybe can carry them for a little bit while the offense figures it out. So, again, Taven's got all the tools. Um, 
I have questions about the other 10 pieces around him. Like, in other words, I don't think he is Antoine Randall L., uh, Mike Penix, um, Kellen Lewis, and I'm, I'm trying to rattle off the guys that have been the best IU quarterbacks in the last 25 years. Guys that were so good. Yeah, Sunfeld, Chapel, Kellen Lewis. Right, yeah. exactly. So, Richard exactly. Legault, so, Penix. So, sure. So, so, in other words, basically, you know, I think he can hold up his end of the bargain. I'm not sure he's good enough where he can elevate the other 10 guys around him. So I have less questions about Taba than I do offensive line, skill position, et cetera. Rake, how's the show prep for the uh, Floyd Badunga soccer match gone so far? So it was supposed to be last this this Tuesday. Flory ended up not playing, and he had another commitment. And so the folks at Kokomo were very gracious uh, in terms of giving us kind of a heads up, hey, you might want to reschedule. So we did. So now I'm going up next Thursday for their home finale against Carol of Flora. Um, and given my schedule, that means that the prep probably begins like Wednesday afternoon at some point in time. Might get to that Tuesday. But thankfully, I've got so many notes on Flory from you know seeing him play probably seven to ten times last year. I think my Flory prep's in good shape. There you go. <laughs> what, what game you got on the high school call tonight? So tonight will be Carmel and Lawrence North, my first chance to see – both of these two teams, and LN is going for their best start since 1989. Yeah, uh, they are looking to go 5-0. and This is also the last time these two schools will play in football, at, at least in the immediate future, as, again, Carmel and, and some of the mixed schools, you know, they, they've maintained their schedule the last couple of years. They'll start to kind of drift apart a little bit now in terms of future schedules. Uh, this game has been close more than it hasn't been in years gone by. It wasn't last year. Carmel won it handily, 38-14. to uh, so, you know, uh, I think it's going to be a really good game. Uh, LN, I think, has surprised some people. They've got a freshman running back in a Xavion Moore uh, who has had over 100 yards in, in three of his first four games. Carmel, we kind of thought maybe they'd take a step back just because they're, they're really young offensively this year, at least at the skill position. They're, they're playing a sophomore quarterback uh, this year, uh, are, are the Greyhounds. But they've only played one team in state, and it's Homestead. So we're not exactly sure you know, how they're going to stack up with kind of like the area competition. Their losses are to teams that usually are regional powers, you know, like a Trinity uh, or, or Christian Brothers out of St. Louis. Their win, uh, other than Homestead in week one, uh, was Detroit King, uh, you know, in week number three. So now we'll start to see them play kind of what had been their typical Central Indiana-based schedule to really kind of learn more about this Carmel team over the next few weeks. What are some other games tonight that you'll have your eye on? Well, you always have to go Warren Central Ben Davis. And clearly I know you guys have that on the fan. This is meeting number 99. You know, obviously seeing Ben Davis and IMG last week, IMG is, is, is remarkable. But the fact that Ben Davis legitimately hung with that team for a good chunk of the game says a lot. Um, and, and there's been a lot of, you know, banner back and forth, as there always is on social media, in terms of you know, really how that game should have played out. And I thought the 20-point spread was about right. There's a couple of plays from that being a five-score game, and there's a couple of plays from that being a one-score game. But here's what I took away from, from Ben Davis. Ben Davis, again, moved the football, throwing the football against versing an all-division one defensive line. Secondarily, against an offensive line that didn't have a guy smaller than 280 and had a running back that's going to go to Texas. Ben Davis legitimately took away the running game last week. I mean, shut it down. It wasn't for lack of trying. Uh, IMG really kind of popped one big run, maybe two, the entire night. 
So, uh, again, Ben Davis, did, uh, their star did not lose shine in my eyes watching them play last Friday. Warren has kind of bounced back. They, you know, they, they picked up a couple of conferences without the win at LC last week. was a good win for them. I think Ben Davis is the better team because this is a rivalry game. You're never quite sure what's going to happen. So, obviously, that game, uh, and we'll have it as well, so the audio can be heard on the fan. The video can be seen on the ISC Sports Network. Other big game locally, Fishers and Brownsburg. Uh, yep. You know, Fishers just lost a tight one at HSC last week, but they're really good. Brownsburg has not lost yet in league play. And, again, the HCC, as I've said before, has never been better top to bottom than it is this year. So those two games immediately mark get my attention. Fishers-Brownsburg listed nationally as one of the top ten yeah, games in the country. Like Jeremy week. tagged us in there. Yeah, number yeah. ten of Max Preps games nationally. How about that? That's Again, that's a, that's, a, that's a really good game, no doubt. And, again, there's, there's frankly a game like that every week in the HCC this year because, again, those the, 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 the top-end schools have been pretty good the last couple of years, but even the schools that have been struggling lately, uh, I, I think, are, are, are trending in the right direction, to use the Jim Caldwell uh, statement. Rake, I think the Colts stink less than the Texans stink. That's why I'm going Colts on Sunday. Your thoughts on that one with Houston as a one-point favorite? We could be seeing a, a 20 to 13 ish game. I think coming up on Sunday, something along those lines. Um, you know, to me, it's going to be. And I, and I realize that Jonathan Taylor is still not playing. I, I understand that. Colts got to run the football better. And again, Kevin, you and I largely have the same view of the game from the press box. And would JT have helped last week? Of course he would. But I'm not sure he's running for a lot of yards the way that that was blocked up. I mean, again, let's break out. Tailback carries, take away Anthony Richardson yards, 16 carries for 25 yards. Holes were not there. So you got to see improvement from the offensive line. If it's Deion Jackson, which I think it'll be more of Zach Moss, don't fumble the football would also be a key thing as well. But if the Colts can simply be average running the football on Sunday, I think they win this game. Rick, I, I want to end with this. I want to go back to something you brought up with Lawrence North, a freshman running back. That just strikes me as beyond rare that you get a freshman impacting a 6A school. I mean, how how often do you see that on an annual basis? Well, Senator Grove's had a couple of them, and they've gone on to be pretty special players. So Titus McCoy and then literally Carson Steele right after him were both kids that, that were, were key contributors as freshmen on really good football teams. Last year, we had a handful of freshman quarterbacks in the area uh, there was the Walker kid that didn't start the season because of Bryson Luter, but has gotten some snaps in each of the last two years. Now he's a sophomore at Lawrence Central. Bo Polston was the starting quarterback as a freshman at Decatur Central at just below the 6A level last year. Um, Lucas Ertle, um, I'm make sure I'm not with the old brother Michael, was a starting quarterback at Mount Vernon. Again, that's 4A, but still a larger suburban school. So we've seen it more at the, at the quarterback position it doesn't happen as often in the running back position, period, but it has happened a couple of times in the last 10, 15 years. Interesting. Yeah, it just strikes me as something that you don't see too, too often when you get to the top class. All right, Rake, enjoy Carmel LN tonight, and uh, we'll be listening Sunday afternoon. All right, thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. That is the great Greg Gregstraw right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Uh, he went, what, 2013? Is that what he was saying? Uh, for Colts and Texans. Mm -hmm. uh, over under Mark Dykton is 39. On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. 
Nine o'clock hour on a Friday in football season means voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, joins us right now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Matey, how was the season opener on your end? I was good. It was good. It was fun. I mean, that's that's all you want it to be. You want it to be fun. You want it to be entertaining. You want it to be you know filled with exciting plays. I think we had that. Uh, Obviously, it wasn't fun when you're up 21 to 17, and then you're down 31 21 in a blink of an eye, which I'm sure we'll get into. But uh, all in all, it was good to be back. Good to have a regular season game, and I thought Lucas Oil Stadium was absolutely nuts. It was really, really enjoyable. You know, it's funny you say that because I, I think for the most part, fans have kind of grasped how this season is. You know, so much about one individual, and you know, the wins and losses might not be on the front burner. But it was almost like when you couple the atmosphere with how the game unfolded, I got the feeling that, like, fans were pretty bummed, like, Sunday afternoon and into Monday of, like, damn, it was right there for the taking. And you had this four-point lead, and and really it was all on that punt is is where I thought everything turned of, you know, if you're able to just down the punt inside of the 10-yard line, I didn't see Jacksonville's offense going 90 yards at that point of the game, not with how your D-line was playing and just how one play, and Anthony Richardson said it afterwards, one play yep. can just change everything, and even if it is just kind of a crazy punt that bounces one way, Jamal Agnew's the heady guy that gets on it and takes it 48 yep. yards up the sideline. No, that that's well said, and you're going to have a hard time convincing me that if, if Agnew doesn't make that great individual play and, and individual in, instinct on that punt return, uh, you're going to have a hard time convincing me the Colts don't win that football game because, like you said, that would have been down around the six-yard line at that point, the Colts' defense was in the zone. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, the, the hard truths are, you know, a lot of 2022 crept into the early part of 2023, kind of yeah. reared its ugly head, right? And what Finishing. I mean by that is fourth-quarter defense, uh, red zone defense. Uh, you had crunch time, <clears throat> excuse me, inabilities uh, to play complementary football. And the exact opposite thing happened, you know, in reverse for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They absolutely stepped up, played complimentary football. Agnew makes the great play on special teams. Uh, Their defense gets the takeaway. Two plays later, the offense, uh, you know, runs it in with Travis Etienne so they get a big play from from their offense. And, you know, offensive line and Etienne with a great individual effort there. Um, That's what good teams do. Uh, You know, Zay Jones had a terrific individual catch. Calvin Ridley, who's still an elite player, he showed that in one game. He had a great game, over 100 yards receiving. So, you know, the Jaguars' best players, you know, played really well, and they directly impacted that game. So I think for the Colts, you come away from that game two things. You come away feeling encouraged but also disappointed at the same time, right? To your point, you feel feel good because you're right there. You should have won the game. You're up four in the fourth quarter, and it would have been a big confidence boost, you know, for a for a – a team that's that's pretty young age-wise for a rookie head coach, for a rookie quarterback, would have been big. But um, still, with all of that, there, there are no moral victories in the NFL, and you got to figure out how to stop those problems that were so prevalent last year that were prevalent in week one in a small sample size. Matt, what did you think Anthony Richardson did well in week one, and what is something you want to see him build on or improve on heading into this game against the Texans? Well, I mean, yeah, he, he played really, really well, I thought. And, and the, the thing that I was most impressed with, and I said it on the show last week, you know, he, he needs to make good decisions early on. I really didn't care about the completion percentage, although that was really good, around 65%. I didn't care about the yardage total. I didn't care about the, 
the overall number of completions, which that was really good too. Um, so I want to continue that going forward. Obviously, he had the one big mistake in the fourth quarter, maybe pushed the ball down the field, trying to, to you know get the Colts back on top on the scoreboard, trying to get them into a scoring threat. Uh, kind of got baited into that throw. Tyson Campbell sunk in coverage and then picked him off. He's going to learn from that. But I thought, by and large, he made good decisions and just flat out took what the Jaguars gave him, which wasn't a whole lot deep. I don't think the Colts uh, last week even attempted a pass that, that went further than 20 yards down the field. There was There was a lot of intermediate throws. I think for the game, Kevin, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think his yards per attempt number was right around six. Mm-hmm. Uh, the complete the completion number yards per catch number by pass catchers last week was right around nine point five nine point six somewhere in that neighborhood which is where they were last year so again you need more big plays down the field but I think that starts with the running game you got to be better running the football to take some of these teams you know early on in the season out of this this you know cover two zone shell look that I think you're going to see until you prove you can beat it on the outside Alec Pierce only had one catch for five yards. Pittman's longest game was a 39-yarder, but it happened at the line of scrimmage on a on a tunnel screen, if you will. So I thought Richardson played really, really well. In fact, I don't I don't know. I mean, if you if you give me Richardson's stat line and his production in terms of making good decisions uh, last week, I'll take that all year long. I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't have room for improvement. That's that's ridiculous. But uh, I thought Richardson played incredibly well in his first game and definitely gave the Colts more than a good shot of winning that football game. Off to Houston tomorrow. It's a 1 o'clock kick on Sunday. Our coverage will begin at 10 a.m. He is voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. Matt, non-running back division. I know you kind of hinted at a few things there, but non-running back division, where do you want to see the biggest jump from a position group or just an aspect of the game from week one? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's got to be red zone defense. Like I said, I mean, that's where the Jaguars won that football game. And I don't know what the answer is. I really don't. I mean, I think fourth quarter defense, red zone defense. I mean, if I had the answer, if these guys had the answer, it wouldn't be a problem. I mean, last year the Colts were dead last in the NFL in fourth quarter defense and red zone defense. Um, it, it's amazing to me because around here, Kevin, the analogy that I used this week, I don't know if it's a good if, if it's a good one or not, but you know, we were so used to around here watching Colts football, and I hate this phrase, but I think it's true when you apply it to, like, the Manning era. The defense, it wasn't a great defense. Like, that bend but don't break defense, right? They would give up yards. They would give up some explosive plays. They weren't great at stopping the run traditionally. But what would, what would they do? They would make a play in the red zone, and they would make you kick a field goal, and they would keep the game close and they would allow the Colts offense to just simply outscore you. So they were like kind of an okay defense with uh, a good point total. I think this is a good, really good Colts defense right now with a bad point total because they're not making plays inside the red zone. Now, you know, if you go back to week one, you know, ETN's got a one-yard run for a score. You, you, You live with that, I suppose. But there were plays before that that got them down to that, you know, goal to goal situation. The the uh, Calvin Ridley um, the Calvin Ridley catch that was kind of a backyard play with yeah. seven seconds of time. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought the secondary played really, really well, but you're just not going to win that football play when he's got that much time to scramble around and look for some elite players. The Zay Jones catch that was tremendous. So you kind of tip your cap to the Jaguars, but last year the Colts were 68 percent 
on defense giving up touchdowns inside the red zone. You're just not going to have a successful season when you are giving up that high of a number inside the 20-yard line to your opponent. So you, you got to figure that out. This is a really good defense. Uh, it, it's, it's too good of a defense to have that high of a number. There's too many playmakers on that side of the ball in all three levels of the defense. So they've got to get that figured out, and it's going to be a problem until it's, quite frankly, not a problem. Again, I don't know what the answer is. These guys know it. I mean, they all sit there and they talk about it, and, and they understand how big of an aspect that is you know, on defense to the success of the, of the season. Um, so it, it's, it's one of those things where, quite frankly, it's just guys got to step up and make a play. I don't know how else to say it. And, and they would say the same thing. It's, it's just going to be a problem until it's not a problem. You just can't survive giving up touchdowns inside the 20-yard line. That's where all of these games are won. Red zone, third down, takeaways, and fourth quarter defense. And the Colts are still trying to figure out who their best playmakers are in those situations when the game is on the line and it's in crunch time. It's the wake-up call on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan Matt Taylor joining us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Matt, who on the Texans will give the Colts the most fits on Sunday? Uh, which side of the ball you want to go on there? Whichever one you think is going to be the biggest issue. Mm, well, offensive line-wise, they're really banged up. I mean, C.J. Stroud can still be a problem. Uh, in his second game, I understand that. But, you know, we saw it at Ohio State. And I know he had great offensive linemen in front of him. He had great playmakers to throw the football to. You know, it's kind of apples and oranges considering where he's at right now. But, I mean, when he's in the pocket and when he's clean, he's elite. He's got really good accuracy. I mean, for his career at Ohio State, he is right around 70%. But when things are muddied and he's not in a clean pocket and he's got to make decisions and throw the football before he wants to, um, you know, you're looking at a, a quarterback that drops down to about 40% completion percentage. So I still think they got playmakers on the outside. I mean, Nico Collins and Robert Woods, I mean, I think those two guys combined for about 160 receiving yards the other day. And then defensively up front, I think they have a very, they have a deceptively good uh, front seven, if you will. Will Anderson really good last week in his, in his first game in the NFL. Had a bunch of pressures, graded out really good, uh, according to Pro Football Focus. Malik Collins, Jonathan Grenard. They've got Denzel Perriman, who comes over from the Raiders. Christian Harris is there. I mean, they've got a, a guy like Jerry Hughes, who still had nine sacks last year, and he's now kind of a rotational piece in year number 14, but he's still getting the job done. So I think they can be very formidable trying to stop the run uh, against the Colts, and they've got to prove that last week was kind of a – a little bit of a blip on the radar in terms of what they got from their running backs last week. I'm going to get a little peek behind the curtain of one Matt Taylor. The schedule for the NFL season comes out around early May. You look at the Colts' schedule, the road schedule. Is Houston your least favorite city on the road schedule? Is that because it comes up every year on the calendar, or do you have another one on the schedule this year that you're like, oh, God? Uh, no, I don't I don't mind Houston. I mean, Houston. Houston's one of those cities where – like from a business trip, from a road trip standpoint, like you just, Kevin, you know this, you you just get on the plane, you get on the bus, you go to the hotel, and you get on the bus, you go to the game, you get on the bus, you go to the airport, and you just go home. Like Houston's not one of those cities where you're looking to explore or take in the sights. Like you've been there a bunch, um, but it's so spread out. It's, it's tough to kind of take in Houston efficiently, if you will, considering how short of amount of time we're there. To me, the, the, the road trip that's just kind of blah is Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just not 
I mean, listen, I don't. You got a Dave and Buster's right there, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm not. I'm not looking to get letters from the Chamber of Commerce from you know Northern Florida, <laughs> but there's there's just not a lot going on. And again, we're not there. We're just not there that long to really do big things. And you know me. You're there for like 28 hours. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just like buried in work anyways, and I just want to watch college football and get a bite to eat. So, like, I'm not – the road trip thing is probably not – it's not a great question for me because I'm not Mr. Explorer and, you know, look up the the history of the city type guy. I'm just more – Let's let's go. Let's let's play the game. You know, let's do a good job and then go home and, and do it all over again. You're Mr. Homebody. He's you get on you get on the road. You he's, stay in the he's hotel. Got two room. young kids. He's got to sleep. He's not grow, going to grave sites like well, Jake would be. I will tell you. I, I will tell you. I, I was driving in and I heard you guys disparaging NRG Stadium. And I have oh, to. Oh, I think the press box view stinks. I think the energy no. level stinks unless JJ Watts playing for him. Well. It, and and it and that's that's fair. NRG Stadium has it's fallen on hard times. I I actually looked it up right before I came on with you guys. Since 2020, uh, during the COVID season, uh, at home Texans record wise at home is 117 and one oh in their last gosh. Is whatever that, that bad? is 19 games. Yeah. Um, so they they actually didn't win a home game last year at NRG Stadium. But I will tell you, Kevin. Like, I've been to NRG Stadium maybe 12 times. I don't even know. But, like, it, back in the day, like, Hilton, Luck, Watt, you know, that era, if you will, it seemed like every time the Colts and Texans played, it was a big division game. It was always in prime time. It was either Sunday night or Thursday night. Back then, that place was rocking. Like, you have to give them credit because you know, the, the Colts represent, like, hatred down there. Like, the Colts are like the Patriots, Steelers, and Chargers all rolled up in one as it relates to Colts fans and how much they hate those teams. So, like, they, they've got some hatred for the Colts, and they get up for the Colts in the past, and I think this is going to be a big game and should be a good game crowd-wise with the first game for Danico Ryans, first game for, uh, for C.J. Stroud, kind of a new era of Texans football. So, in the past, NRG Stadium can get loud, but they need to have the right environment for it. Man, one home win and whatever you said the last 19 20 whatever the number is that's got to be close to an NFL record yeah I mean it's I mean they didn't win it they didn't win their last home game victory was week 16 of the 2021 season and so that's 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 falling on hard times right there yeah um you know it kind of looks it kind of reminds me of Lucas Oil Stadium right there's a roof press box is high um, I think the stadium's in really good shape. I know there's this big debate right now between grass fields and, and turf. I think they have really, really good turf, you know, comparatively speaking. I don't know. I just enjoy that environment because it does get loud. The Jumbotron's great. The, the sound system's great. I know this is sounding ridiculous. <laughs> but aesthetic-wise, it, it's, it's a fun place to play. And, again, especially when they play at night, it kind of looks like a theater. It's dark around the bowl. And then they've got spotlights on the field. It, it, it seems like it's just well lit. Um, it's just a fun place to play when those two teams are humming and it's a big game inside the AFC South. You might be working for the NRG Stadium PR department here with your yeah, baby. with your description <laughs> on that. Uh, last one for me, Matt. And when we talked last Friday, 
you and I were kind of both in agreement on, I think, an advantage in a big way the Colts keep this interesting in the opener was the defensive line of Indianapolis versus Jacksonville's offensive line. Uh, yep. That matchup certainly was won by the Colts. As I look ahead to Sunday, I think there is a big advantage there as well. And that's why I'm so confident in the Colts getting their first win of the season here coming up on Sunday. Uh, do you view that in the same light as this is a matchup the Colts should and will win, and if you do that, then obviously you could rattle C.J. Stroud. Yeah, I mean, again, you go back to what I said earlier. I mean, he's a completely different quarterback, or at least he was at Ohio State, when he's under pressure because he's not hes not a quarterback. We saw that with the Buckeyes. He's not a guy that's looking to get outside the pocket traditionally and make things happen with his feet. He can do that. There's no question about it. But he's a guy that loves to hang in the pocket and show off that arm and, and prove he's an incredibly accurate quarterback, which he is. But, you know, and that, and I go back to what I said earlier. This is a good defense with a bad point total because they dominated that game. Like, the Colts should not have given up 31 points. Their effort last Sunday against the Jaguars, that was not a 31 point performance. They played much better uh, than that for about three quarters when they dominated the game. They were stuffing the run, they were getting off the field on fourth down, seven tackles for loss, two takeaways, two more takeaways that were taken away from them by reviews, uh, and the Texans are down three starting offensive linemen. The only guy, really, that you have to worry about is Laramie Tunsil at left tackle. And, oh, by the way, even he's banged up a little bit. I fully expect him to play, but at left guard, you got Josh Jones, you got a center, uh, and Jarrett Patterson, who's a rookie. Maybe you can take advantage of him. Titus Howard is out in this game. Um, so I, I think there's it's definitely advantage Colt, you know, considering all the firepower they have on that defensive line, and it's it's got to be priority one, getting after C.J. Stroud, making him feel uncomfortable, and making him throw off-platform and throw before he wants to, and hopefully give the ball to the Colts a couple of times on some takeaways. Last one from me, Matt Taylor. We have three weeks left in the MLB regular season. There are five series for the Reds left at the Mets, home against Twins, home against the Pirates, at the Guardians, at the Cardinals. We'll be in week five of the NFL season when the MLB regular season ends. More wins for the Colts or series wins for the Reds by week five? Good God, man! You're like you're making you're making me you're splitting me right right in half here. I feel like Mark. I'm Allen uh, from The Hangover uh-huh, trying to follow uh-huh. that one. All right, give it to me one more time. Right, like here. that's that's an algebra question I can't follow. The the, ra- the Reds are at the Mets. This right, weekend, there, there, there's one train leaving Boston, another train leaving Los, Los Angeles. <laughs> How many <laughs> apples does Janie have? Um, what? <laughs> at the Mets this weekend for the Reds. Is that a series win? Yes. Home against the Twins. Yes. Home against the Pirates. Yes. At the Guardians. No. At the Cardinals. Yes. That Matt Taylor, that optimism. So, well, okay. So, yeah. long story short, will the Colts have more wins by week five, or will the so the Colts Reds have, have to win wins? each of their next three? Right? Yes. Uh huh. Well, that's a lot to ask. Uh huh. I'm I'm saying the Colts are going to be doing well, and the and the Reds are going to be doing well. Can I can I stop thinking about the math here? <laughs> we I need mean, the Reds. Do you need the Reds in the know. playoffs? Are the Reds going to make the playoffs? The Reds will make the playoffs, Ooh. and you know who you know who won't do anything in the playoffs? The Cubs. Okay. Hey, oh, Matt Taylor, thanks for joining that. us. Appreciate the time. Matt Taylor they, with the zinger on might, a Friday. They might make the playoffs, but they will they will cub all over themselves uh, coming oh, yeah, up in I, September and October. Do we have to, How about that? 
sense of that? What was that one? That's outstanding from Matt Taylor. I love it. Uh, I'm okay. sorry, guys. I, I, it's it's too early for me to be doing math problems. I'm I not a math whiz either, but I, I was like, I'm, I'm curious. Doing, I'm doing this job for a reason. I was told there would be no numbers crunching here. <laughs> uh, he will be boarding a plane tomorrow afternoon to head to Houston, and again, it will be the Colts and the Texans 1 o'clock on Sunday. Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. Matt, thank you, and I'll uh, see you in a bit for the final practice of the week. You got it, guys. Appreciate you as always. Maybe we can do some like English. Maybe we can like like dissect a. We can do like some sentence. Uh, you know, we can do some sentence. What do they call that back in the day? You have to like structure yeah, the sentence. Yeah. Well, I expect. Uh, I was thinking some long player. division. We get some a remainder going on a long division problem. <laughs> if the, you're up for it. By the time we talk to you next Friday, I want a book report on war and peace, please. There you go. I'd rather do a three-page paper than do algebra. So Same there's here. no doubt. Luckily, yep. you're just All talking right, in a mic on Sunday. Thank you, Matt. You got it, guys. Be well.